Oh, hey there, folks. This is your host, Kate Gaffney, letting you know this is the final, the finale, the last of the series with Pepper Berry this time around. Hopefully we can convince him to come back onto the show. But for now, this is the last bit from our interview all the way back in December of 2022. We're so grateful for him being on and hopefully you found him on all of the things and the socials. I can't say that. The socials and everything. And we will see you at the end of the episode with even more info about Pepper. So for now, let's get on with the show. Yeah, I know. And those are, I highlighted that. Okay. All right. Here we go. Thursday from hell. Still Friday. Here we go. George Clooney stories. There's so much. Oh, okay. 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 We're just keep the momentum. Prince. Oh, Hi. <laughs> You're listening to Service from Hell, a show featuring people that are currently in customer service positions or the lucky few that got out and all of the good, bad, and infinitely irritating things that go along with that work. I'm actor and writer Kate Gaffney, and I'm uniquely qualified to discuss this as I used to work at a very busy and very popular comedy club in Los Angeles, and at least one of you listening right now has probably grabbed me and told me you were ready to order when I was running around like a crazy person. So let's eat. Well, folks, we've done it. We've managed to have a three-parter because Pepper fully understands the assignment. So I would like to welcome our guest, writer, comedian, director, teacher, improviser, and punk, Pepper Berry, back again, week three. You've listened to this lovely gentleman for two weeks in a row, and either you listened live or you listened on demand, but you know his story. He's originally from Texas. He's lived in LA for a long time. It was his dream city. He started doing stand-up comedy back in Texas. Then he studied screenwriting at UCLA. He's all over the place. You've probably seen something he's written. He's very, very clever. He's back with us again because he just has just too many stories. There's too many stories. They have to all be told and and they all relate to customer service. So the last two weeks we have talked about myriad jobs that Pepper has had. And last week uh, I'm, we were circling back. So we we got to some of the standard entree or yeah, standard entree questions, but really not hardly any of them. And what I had done to speed up that episode was I skipped over some jobs because Pepper's wildly prepared and sent me a list ahead of time. And there were two jobs that I had to know, or three, I've highlighted three, three more jobs that I wanted to know about because uh, they had parentheses next to them. I'm going to go to the, the theater job last. So let's talk about my friend's place. What is my friend's place? That was um, a volunteer job again. I taught, my friend's place is a um, a youth homeless shelter, a day shelter oh, that's, that's on um, Hollywood in the 101. Oh. It's right there. It's like you you'll blow right past it if you're not looking for it. And I taught music to the kids on the weekend, and and it's it's a day place. You can't stay there overnight, but you could donate clothes there. I always try to get people to donate clothes. One of my pride and joy moments of working with the firm, the financial firm that I work with now, is that. Um, every year they ask for charity givings and it's like, it's like, you know, name some, some of your favorite charities. We got to, you know, get rid of some money. And I got them uh, $10,000. Holy shit. And I was, I was the one that got to call them and say like, Hey, you know, this is Pepper and I, you're going to be getting a check from so-and-so firm for $10,000. And they had just done their budgeting and were $10,000 short. I, you were lying. (laughs) They were like, they're like you are you kidding me they were they were i was like it's like it's i really did nothing i just i just answered an email and uh but it's a great charity it's it's great what they do because they provide clothes for kids for interviews 
Uh, they can come in and take a shower. They can get out of the heat. Uh, they can get a meal. They can get snacks. And then they can watch movies. Um, Cirque du Soleil, people will come and teach them how to juggle, things like that. I would come and teach them uh, how to uh, play guitar. Wow. and Or we would just jam. A lot of them already know how to play. play and They just want a place to jam. So we'd go upstairs and we'd jam. And, and uh, I still remember this kid... We'd play stuff, and you know they don't know songs, so we'd literally just improvise stuff. And he was like, "All right, let's play something, Death Slow." <laughs> I was like, "Okay." Oh, no. <laughs> so, so it's just like that, and he was like, he was so happy. It was, it was like we're just playing it, Death Slow. Uh-huh. Um, and it's really just a place for them to get off the streets for a few hours, and because a lot of homeless kids in LA are not necessarily homeless the entire time they either have some situation at home um it could be like their mom's you know dating some guy that's abusive and they just have to wait for him to go to work so they gotta just hang out on the streets until he's gone and then they can go home or you know there's a myriad of things that go on and so uh, this is just a place for them to come in and it's called my friend's place because a lot of homeless kids have friends that are not homeless and they don't you know there's a stigma attached to it and so they can always say like i'm just going over to my friend's place and, I, and it's kind of hidden it's kind of code i'm gonna stop. so like the homeless kids know what they're talking about but the kids with the houses don't know what don't they're talking know. about oh so what it, i guess logistically though if the kids are under 18 is there or like you can a, age out of it oh uh, okay but do you have to report them as potentially like because if you're homeless and you're just showing up at a place. No, there is a no, no they don't report anything. That's wow. why it's a safe space. So they can go there and they get their mail there. No one, no, they have um, uh, names unique to that place. So if I went in there, I could just say my name is Frank and I'm known as Frank there. So if somebody calls looking for me, they will check with me if they, if I want to be contacted by that person or not. It's It's a safe, safe space. Oh. And so it's it, they don't report to anybody because no one would show up if you're going to get reported. The yeah. kids would, you know, you'd be a narc and no kids would show up. So the kids know that they're they're safe in there. <laughs> and and some of them are. I think the only way you can't really age out of it is if um, you're you're pregnant or you have a kid. Oh, okay, so they'll, so keep, they'll, they'll protect you. you they'll keep you a little longer. But it's not an overnight place. So do not they, an overnight place at all. Do they have any connections to facilities? Yeah, of course, or- yeah they have connections to get them into. <laughs> Uh, missions that they want a lot of them don't because oh, they yeah. feel they're safer in a in their group i mean they're not wrong yeah. often which is a bummer but, but that's hard my job was just you know to make them you know laugh and have fun for three hours and just kind of take their mind off that was that was my mission statement to myself is like i'm just getting their mind off the streets for three hours while we jam played stuff death slow and <laughs> um and and then they kind of their funding kind of went down. They kind of their budget kind of shrank, and they couldn't do it. On they didn't open during the weekends anymore, and that's the only time I could do it. So sure. I, I stopped. But that was like three years of doing that. So do so. Does it still exist? Is it a place Absolutely. people can look up? Okay, that's great. Okay, so look up my friend's place. I really love that name. Okay, and then I want to go. Uh, we talked about that one. Hold on, I'm just looking. Did you like being a librarian? So you did work yep. study librarian. You did. What did you like about it? That was a work study at Baylor. So while I was, I had multiple jobs. So while not while I'm in school at Baylor, I was working at Chelsea Street or working at Steak and Ale, um, waiting tables and bartending. But I also, as part of my, you know, I didn't get a scholarship, but I got like a work. I applied for work study, which is uh, enough money to kind of pay for books. You know, it's not a whole lot of money, but. For three years, I worked in the library, so I was a librarian putting stuff back on, you know, 
taking you to find your book that you need for your thing. And I would also, that was another weird part of the job is I caught bats. So we had to catch bats every now and then. I'm so sorry. I thought you said caught bats. <laughs> I did. Pepper. They would, they would migrate through, you know, cause there's, you know, Austin's famous for having yeah. bats and stuff like that. Yeah. So they would migrate uh, back and forth. So every once in a while a bat would find its way into the library through the roof and you would, it would be like Jurassic Park. You'd be sitting there and across these, this huge giant library, you just see this fly across the oh thing God. and they were little tiny baby, baby bats bat. you didn't want to touch them because yeah. they're rabies but we had a net in the back we had our bat net and so it's like somebody's on bat patrol pepper there's a bat in you know historical fiction <laughs> so oh you had to take the thing and you'd, you'd looking around and like if they got down in the stacks a bat up against books like they're almost camouflaged so you'd be sitting there looking because you because i was still freaked out about bats you should be and i would be walking walking around it's like i swear it flew in here and also you'd see it crawl and you'd be like ah oh my god <laughs> you'd like slam the net over it and coax it back in the bat and then like twist it so it's trapped in the uh net and then you run outside and you release it and it'd fly off and go circle back and go right back through the same hole and come, <laughs> back, and come back in the library <laughs> so it was just like the cyclical thing where it's just like we're just catching bats all the time okay so it's a library and asterisk zookeeper kind yeah of. exactly okay so you did that just as work study for school yeah so it was like it was i mean it's barely a part-time thing i'd do it in between class so i'd have like you know i'd have my class my calculus class and then I had like three hours off until my geology class and I would go work at the library for three hours. Okay. And that would that would be my time for the, you know, that week or whatever. Who knows? And that covered your books. That just covered books. Yeah, barely. Oh shit. Books are so expensive. Okay. Now I don't want to get you into hot water with this because I know you still work for them. So I just want to know if you have a good story of when you were a second city teacher, since you still are, where like a parent got involved or like a situation where you had to be like, Hey, uh, enough is enough. I'm a, I'm one of those. I don't, I hear all these kind of horror stories about students. I've never had a bad student. That's awesome. Um, Knock wood. I don't know what it is, but for, well, for starters, I shut down shit really fast. You do. If it starts to, I'll either let it, if, if I think I can let it slide, because uh, first off, I tell people, it's like, look, we're all going to make mistakes. People are going to just, I mean, shit just comes out of people's mouth and they're not thinking because we're, no we're telling you not to think. Uh, so, so stuff's going to go sideways. Um, just realize that this person, you know, is, is, is not, th- is coming off the top of their thing. But, uh, but I will, if I see something like sexist going down, I was just, I'll just stop it. I'll just be like, I, I have those a lot with people who are coming in for those day workshops because yeah. they're real new Fresh. and mm. they're just trying to be funny and then i'll be like uh i'll be like what'd you say and he'd be like it's like nipple no you didn't pick something else <laughs> and you're like what okay and uh i shut it down really fast and as long as you when i walk in there they know that i have control of the room that's it that's it you're done it's that's like right. it's like i i'm that's in charge right. yeah and um Pew. that works on adults it does not work at all with kids really <laughs> kids are just like who cares? Fuck you. Wait, like, are they really? <laughs> they're just like running around. It's just like, I love teaching kids. I don't like handling and babysitting the kids because it yeah. becomes a babysitting job. And, yeah, it does. And now I've just discovered a thing at Yada because, because at Second City, you know, those rooms are just like blank rooms and like a, a normal improv thing. At Yada, they teach music, uh, choreography, singing. It's They put on musicals and stuff. So the room is a like a dance studio. So there's a giant mirror across the thing. I never realized 
boys like to look at themselves in the mirror more than any. I mean, they can't take their eyes off it. They sure can't. Off the, like girls narcissist. are not looking at all. They're just uh-uh. girls are paying. They're doing the thing. Guys are just staring at themselves in the mirror. I was Laser like, did purple. I do this when <laughs> I was twelve years old? I was like <laughs> enamored with myself that much. I mean, they just like they lock eyes with themselves, and it's just like they're just like turning sideways and just like <laughs> flexing like, in look? the mirror, it's like putting the hoodie. I was like, I was like, could could you pay attention? <laughs> We're here. Two seconds, like, We're here. Stop. I have to face them away from the mirror and face me like this way so they don't look around. It's oh, I'm like, dying. Oh, it's I ridiculous. It. <laughs> okay. But at Second City, I've never, no, I always, I always had, I mean, I think, again, a kid, I had to take a kid out. I had to take a kid out of class one time. He was a big problem and I just made him go sit in the office. But he was like, you know, nine years old. Problem just a lot too much energy kind of too thing. much energy throwing himself just interrupting everybody throwing himself on the floor and just not wanting and I was just like you're gone yeah. and I wasn't the only teacher that kicked him out of class luckily yeah <laughs> there was a couple of teachers that kicked him out of class so I mean but you know. as far as adults go I've never I've never really had a problem yeah I guess with adults too it's like if we're the ones paying for the class we're not going to interrupt our own experience it's yeah. like we've thrown some good money at the situation so yeah. we're gonna go ahead and try and listen i did i i'm trying to think if i ever experienced anything with this oh i did there were a couple times on stage with students where i was like i don't love this but yeah for the most part i feel like no matter your age as an adult if you're paying for it you're gonna respect it differently yeah and we and i always kind of bring it up and talk about it and as long as everyone's aware and everyone's making the other person i was always also kind of reinforce that that the concept of like it's like your only job is to make the other person look good, make That's the other it. person feel safe, make the other person feel comfortable. If you're doing that, no one's going to have a problem with anybody. Not at all. There's, you can't you can't say anything wrong. That's right. If you only care about the other person. That's right. It's impossible. Yeah. So that's how I kind of get by that. Yeah. Uh, former guest of the show. <laughs> I keep doing this with you, but you know everybody I've had on the show. Uh, Jamie Moyer talked about that. She had yeah. said that, you know, when she's coaching privately, because she does a lot of private coaching, she said that pretty much because everybody has the same goal of like, no, we want to be here. We're yeah. like, she hasn't had issues with adult t- students yeah. either. Yeah. Okay. Now... <laughs> I have to know. When you say man's theaters, do you mean the man's Chinese theater that is in Hollywood yep. that is now, it's something else now, it's isn't TLC, it? It's TLC. Whatever that stands for. Now, you wrote in parentheses next to this, best slash worst celeb. Oh, Tell yeah. I have everything. a list of... because of, of, Will you say names? Will you say names? Oh, I'll totally say names. And, and I worked at... I would work for premieres at the Chinese. Um, and I, I will say this, after the arc light got shut down... I rediscovered the Chinese theater. I was not going to it at all. I hadn't, I've it, been in years. I, I just it shut down. It's still. No, it's still going full blast. Oh, wow. And they have the gorgeous main yeah. theater is gigantic. Stunning. It's stunningly gorgeous. Yeah. And they have a giant IMAX screen in there. It's perfect. It's perfect. The room is perfectly tuned. The projector is yeah. perfect. Everything is perfect. And, and I've been going to see movies there. I was like, I can't believe I have stopped com- coming to the Chinese. Yeah. It's amazing. I saw that David Bowie thing, Do- uh, the, the documentary. documentary there, uh. and it was nearly blasted out of my seat. I was like, it was so packed. I had to sit in the fifth row and it was like being at a Metallica concert. It was just like that. I was just blown back. The sound system is incredible. Do they still have the the curtains with the embroidered yep. like? Oh, yeah. it's and they I go get, back. They they roll back. I need slow. to. You're, you, this is a good pitch. Pitch for the TLC. Yeah, that it's formerly, a great theater. And I still miss the ArcLight. It's, it's my favorite. But I know me too. Yeah. Well, they got bought. The one got bought out, so one of them is staying. The ArcLight in in, in Hollywood is going to come back. Oh, okay. The Sherman Oaks one is still up and running, but it's called something no, else. No, um, AMC. No, Regal bought it. 
Ugh, so I don't know about that, but the one here got bought and they're going to put in some kind of like um, the Arclight Cafe is going to turn into some five-star very expensive restaurant. See, that makes me so. mad. It was already cost prohibitive. Whatever. Yeah. I used to love the Arclight. Okay, so you worked at Man's Chinese Theater doing what? Not at Man's Chinese. I worked at um, Man in Westwood when I was living in Westwood at that fraternity oh, house. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. So, oh, but, so was that a was that a sister of the theater? Oh, they're they're all owned. They were all owned by the same person. So, oh. in in the '90s, first off, um, a little bit of history of Los Angeles. Uh, Westwood was in its heyday the place to go to. I didn't know that. And it started back in 1973 when The Exorcist came out, and it was only playing at the Man National in Los Angeles and all the kids went to go see it. And that's when the kids discovered Westwood. They're like, oh, this place is kind of cool. There's theaters on every block and there's food and everything. And so it became this huge hangout. And by hangout, I mean on the weekends, it's like Mardi Gras, you're shoulder to shoulder. Holy shit. Cause it's also a college town. Oh, it's so, fun. It's beautiful. It's very well maintained too. Yeah, now back then it was, it was, I mean, college students, bars, you're walking on the sidewalk, just crowded, shoulder to shoulder with people and that last I came on the very tail end of that maybe lasted a year before it had died up because we started having riots uh, oh. along with movies that I worked at I was asked me about that I was in the middle of those as well and so I would work I started at the man regent okay. and then I I started as a ticket taker just to make some cash and I moved up pretty quick to assistant manager and I went from there to they sent me down to the man culver which I hated because Culver City back in the early 90s was not what it is now. Yeah, it was super a dangerous. gang territory. Yeah. And a lot of my employees were gang members. Oof. And right before I had got there, they had just had a gang come into the lobby with baseball bats and just started hitting people. You you have a history with bat fights. <laughs> with bat fights, exactly. <laughs> I'm going to call and, this bat fights. And, and bats. Uh, you have a history bat with bats. bats. Pepperberry has a history with bats is the name of this episode. Go ahead. So I'm working down there and it's it's pretty crazy and we would get tagged all the time. Ugh. The back stairwell would just be Would you have tagged. to like clean no, it? No, I found out which gang it was and found out which one of my employees was in that gang and I made them clean it up so eventually word got back it's like stop fucking tagging everything I'm clean. the one that's cleaning it up and so it stopped <laughs> um, oh, and it. so eventually I went back I, I think I was just down there for a few months until I finally came back to the regional manager I was like I was like you gotta get me out of Culver City this is dumb I, I live too far two, away. two blocks away from the theaters right here. Why am I going to Culver City? And it's like, I want to be, and I think I, I, I pulled like the college card for some reason. I was like, I'm the only college graduate in this whole thing. I was like, I, I want more money and I want a better money. And he was like, Frank. he was like, okay. It's like, like the only time my college degree ever worked for anything. Anything. Like, anything in entertainment. And so he put me at the, the Man National. I started working at the Man National, which was a gorgeous theater. It was. It's not there anymore. It was the largest screen in LA for a long time, and it was all um, super seventies, gold oh, curtains, gold seats, fun. giant staircase that took you down in this swooping like uh, everything was kind of banked down and raked like that. It was. Just, you walked in. It was just fucking gorgeous, and the and the thing with with Westwood was that all the theaters were single theaters. So you had the, the Bruin, the village, the Regent, the Plaza, the national, that's five theaters, all single theaters. And then you had the quad, which was had four screens. So there's nine screens within a four block by four block 
I wonder more why convincing. they're so because there's still a couple of them are working right now exactly. as actual movie. I wondered what that so was. So celebrities would come there all the time because it's a single screen, and we would let them in Once ahead, the, of, t- ahead yeah, of time, okay. so they could kind of sneak in. So, um, and that's when you would run into, and this was also when uh, during the window where Par- where Paramount and Warner Brothers owned. Man theaters together. Oh, okay. They joint shared. So we got all those premieres. I worked all those premieres. And then the guy that was in charge of marketing was so cool. And he was like, everybody want to come to the party? So we'd go to all the the premiere parties. That's awesome. And so I was at the premiere party for uh, City Slickers and oh. Rocketeer and Last Action Hero and, and JFK and Holy shit. all that stuff. And so, and everybody that worked at the theater, we were all trying to be screenwriters. Everybody's there just... We loved movies. We're all working on stuff. Wow. Um, I, w- I was putting together, this is where Oliver Stone comes back in. I was trying, I had written a script when I was in college. I hadn't, I hadn't written the script yet that would get me the development deal. So I had written this kind of horror script and I wanted to do a sizzle reel for it. So I happened to work for, or work with one of my employees was Imelda Marcos's grandson. If you remember her, she was like the president's wife from the Philippines that had all the shoes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she would send him uh, a fashion budget each month, even though he worked in the th- He was just a super spoiled rich kid yeah. that worked in the movie theater only because he got free movies and his grandma made him, she Do wanted something. him to have a job. Do something. Wow. And then she would send him five grand a month to buy clothes. So I was going to, it's like, if you could do without clothes for a month, we could put it together, a sizzle reel of this thing. So he agreed to fund my short film. Oh, that's really lovely. It would if I had gotten the money. (laughs) 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 So in between the time, I had an agent at the time. Um, And I I think I'd only written two, I'd written two screenplays at this time. I'd written two screenplays and two specs for Tales from the Crypt and a spec for Beverly Hills 9021. So... My agent's like, how are you going to get this put together? You still got, that's not a whole lot. And I was like, I'm going to call in some favors. And so I called uh, Amblin. I called uh, Scott from the guy, that first interview. And I told him what I was, I'm trying to put a sizzle reel so I can be a director and write a blah, blah, blah. And he's like, okay, this is what I can do for you. Uh, You're going to need to foley it. You're going to do some ADR. I'll let you come into our ADR and use it for free. on Holy shit. So I was like, Cool. I got free ADR. For anybody that doesn't know what that is, fully the fully artists are the people who, when in a movie, when you hear somebody walking or you hear a door closing or you, uh, that's what Foley is. And then ADR is like, if someone flubs a line or if there's a line that needs to be said more clearly, somebody goes into the booth and there's either celebrity voice matchers who can sound like the person in the movie or the celebrity themselves comes in and does ADR. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, and I should say I did. He did get me back in to interview. Like when he, even though he ditched me that day, I did end up going back to Amblin. Okay. And everything you hear about it is true that it's, you go through security because I used to sneak on to every, every lot, every lot in the world. It was so easy. Yeah. Back it used then. to be it was so easy. And I, 
went to, but I never, you never tell them you're going to Amelie because as soon as you said Amelie, they're like, get the fuck out of here. It's like, um, but this time I actually was on the list. So I was like, I'm going to see Amelie. And I always heard there's guys with machine guns outside Amelie. And so you'd go, it's Amelie's off in its own little section of Universal down this hill and you park way up here and then they check you in at that gate and they're like, yeah, just go to the bottom of the hill. And then there's just a bunch of like Italian gangster looking guys sitting in golf carts with their jackets covered. And I was like, there's the guys with the machine guns. Is it, so is that true? That really is. I don't know. I didn't want to ask, but <laughs> they were just super like, they were total like wise guy looking guys because like, they were like, they're like, they check you into the upper thing at the upper lot and they're like, Pepperberry here to see Scott. And and by the time you walk down, all these guys, Hey Pepper, how you doing? They all know, they know you. They just want you to know that they know you. They're like, You're like right it. there. Got it. Okay. Got it. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah. And I go in and set down in this insanely gorgeous lobby. And I'm waiting for my interview with this production person. And to this day, I think this was a test because the receptionist would get up. She's like, do you want anything, coffee or water or anything? And I was like, no. She's like, okay. So she'd sit there. She's like, I'm going to go get some coffee. So she'd walk around this corner to where the coffee machines were. And as soon as she got around the corner, the phone would ring. And she would come running back and she'd answer the phone. And I was sitting there like, and then she'd, and she'd transfer and she'd go back and then she would go back to get the coffee and she'd go around the corner and the phone would ring and she would run back. And I was like, I was so nervous. I was like, should I answer the phone or should I, should I offer to get a coffee? Like, just, sit, just sit down. And to this day, I think they were just on cameras watching me. It's like, is this guy going to go get her a cup of coffee and be a nice guy? Is this who we want? to hire Holy like shit. i just felt like it was a huge setup you were for sure right and i go back and talk to the guy about the thing and he basically he's like look it's a pa job at amelin every executive here wants their nephew to get it they're gonna get it first and he's, he's like he's like but he's like it was good meeting you and we'll keep you on a list but you know there's no chance if you get into here and uh so that was scott so back now i'm uh so you call him, he's going to let you do Foley and ADR at yeah. off hours, which is lovely. At off hours. So then I write to my uh, good friend, Oliver Stone, and I say like, hey, um, I'm going to shoot a film. And can't. this is back when it was film. So I was like, can I have your short ends? And short ends are, you know, when the reel runs out and there's, you know, they there's too, little, there's too little to shoot, but there's a lot of that. They just, you know. They, say, they usually they save, say, it, they save it, yeah, or did. So <clears throat> I get a phone call. They're shooting JFK in Dallas, and his producer calls me. And he's like, he's like, hey, uh, you must be on good terms with Oliver because he's told me to send you all his short ends. <laughs> and I was like, oh, thanks. I was like, I don't need them right now. I'll take I them. Like, up. I was like, I was like, um, he's like, yeah, just let me know when you where I'm supposed to ship them and and we'll send them off. Wow. And then my money just like he's like full on it comes out that he's not going to be able to give me any money and so that whole thing just comes crashing out my agent was also his agent he's like do you know how much you just screwed Pepper? he had he had Oliver Stone helping him and Amblin helping him and you just fucked the oh whole thing oh my god but I was like oh well Same what a old. dick but again I was here in Los Angeles so I was perfectly you happy you were doing great okay but in the in relation to this job you wrote best and worst celeb oh yeah so we would have because because it was owned by Paramount and Warner Brothers, anybody who had ever done a picture for Paramount and Warner Brothers thought they just got in for free. Sure. Uh, which they did if you called ahead. And also, and if you're not a dick. If you're not a dick, like Chevy Chase would show up and just be like, 
with his whole family. He's like, we're coming in. We're like, are you on the list? He's like, no, you fucking call. I don't call anybody. You call. And we just, and I was, and luckily I didn't deal with Chevy Chase on that one. Someone else did. Um, Cloris Leachman would come up to the window and just point at her face. And she's like, <laughs> she'd be like, it's me. I was like, yeah, I know who you are. It's like, I can't let you in for free. And if, but if you were nice, I would let, I would totally let you in. I didn't, I didn't care that much is if you were a dick about it. So like, and people, like I said, the celebrities would come there because it was a single, every theater was a single theater. So it was easy to kind of like get past the crowd. But some of them were super nice. Like uh, Dennis Quaid and Meg Ryan would wait in line with everybody else outside. I love that. And, they, and everyone would treat them perfectly normally. Come in and wait in line. And, and we would actually say like, do you want to come in ahead of time? They'd be like, no. I love They'd go that wait in line. Michael Keaton, he was dating Courtney Cox at the time. They would wait, and Batman had been out, so he was Batman. Uh, he was huge, and so he would wait across the street and like hide behind a tree. And Courtney would come over and buy the tickets, and I'd be like, and I'd see, I'd see Michael Keaton hide by the tree. I was like, if you want, just come in, and I'll let you in the lobby. And look, Courtney Cox would be like all for it. She'd be like, yeah, and she'd go across. He'd be like, he doesn't want to. He just wants to wait. So he'd wait till everybody went in, and then he would just sneak in the back and stuff like that. Wow. And. uh we would have people like that, and that's and that's also like that's really customer service. That's r- literally herds of people coming yeah. at you, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people coming at you every day. Mm-hmm. So that you're dealing with, and it was it was a a total school in psychology yeah. of, of how people work and and how much you were willing to put up with and how much you would let go and at some when I was early on it was hard to let go of things because mm-hmm. you're like working this little job it's like I'm gonna fight every little second of my life for this and you know people sneaking in uh, sneaking in the theater uh, people having sex in the theater was also a thing uh, would you catch them oh yeah um, and sometimes you just didn't want to s- oh, stop yeah. because you're like it, it was literally like people in the front row that were just laying on the floor in the front row like it, just going at it sir yeah, just full missionary, just like, like usher come out and he's like, uh, there's two kids just kind of going at it in the front row. <laughs> I was like, oh what? God. I was like, walk back there. I was like, I can't, I'm not going to do anything about that. Not no, a thing. <laughs> not a thing. <laughs> no, no, thank you. And uh, Prince would come in all the time. Was he, he nice was, to you? He was, we, he was super nice. He was, he was super nice. He would, uh, his bodyguards would arrive first. Mm, of course. And he's a slight or was a slight human. And did he's, he talk I like would it? always describe him as, as Clint Eastwood dressed as like a fairy from Midsummer. He kind of walked like Clint Eastwood, but he's kind of dressed like a, a fairy, fairy from, mid, from Midsummer. Summer. <laughs> and, uh, his bodyguards would arrive first. He had two cars. He had a black limo and a BMW that was, a color blue you'd never seen in your life. It was the most incredible blue you'd ever seen. And he would always, if he came in the BMW, he left in the limo. If he came in the limo, he left in the BMW. Oh, because paparazzi won't know what he's leaving in. That actually makes yeah. sense. And his bodyguards would come there. They'd tell you, it's like, he's on his way. They'd get, they would get the popcorn. They'd buy all the stuff and have it all ready. He would always um, arrive uh, with a girl that was knockout gorgeous. And it was not Apollonia. It was, it was no, um, but, and he would be dressed to the nines. It would, I mean, his outfits were crazy, which you'd see him on, on a stage. That's what he wears every day. That's crazy. And he'd be in these huge platform heels. 
um, and they would come in late all the time after the movie started. One time I actually offered, because he'd come in so much at different theaters, I'd be like, I'll hold the film for him if you want me to. It's like, not that many people in there are like, no, no, no. It's like, he doesn't care, just start it. Because he'd come in 15 minutes late, 15, 20 minutes late, and then he would always leave 20 minutes early. He what? never finished a film ever. Then why go? He's just hanging out with a girl. Oh. And the one time, the Horrible. one time he didn't come with a girl, the limo left and brought a girl. <laughs> so, so it was like when he walked in by himself, I was like, "Well, that's new." And then the limo was, and then this Victoria's Secret model that you know, I was like, "Oh my god!" And she walks in, I was like, "Okay." And uh, um, he was he was fantastic to wait on. Then we would have um, the the reason kind of Westwood blew up was we had a few riots, and those were to deal with the theater that. Uh, for man theaters so we had like the crush groove riot was at the village and then uh we had the new jack city riot and that was at my theater and the story was on the news that the theater had oversold tickets and the kids couldn't get in and they started riot and they really did i mean they bust in our room and our doors and then they went through westwood village just bashing in and and like shop windows and looting and it became a huge giant news story and i was always mad because they wouldn't let us say anything to the news that we got issued almost immediately they call us they do not talk to the news it's like man theaters will issue a statement they never fucking issued a statement at all and you were there and i was there and we did not oversell anything yeah, so you could have defended it so the th- and i was the one selling tickets to one of the windows oh i would have so been so one so the thing with theaters is this was before the days of reserved seats Mm -hmm. so theaters never sell down to zero back then we didn't we always sold down to 25 because the last 25 seats in the dark are invisible everyone's got their coats here and their purses there you will never see those seats when you walk in in the dark so we only sell down to 25 and that's what we had sold down to so there there were 25 the problem was there were about another 100 kids that wanted to come see new jack city and the line was outside and as soon as we opened the door, all those kids rushed the door Oof. that didn't have tickets and they just blew past, I mean, they busted open the door and they blew past us and we had to like, and then all the kids with tickets thought they were going to lose their seats so they rushed and we literally had to slam the doors shut mm. and then go into the theater and be like, okay, assholes, we're not playing the movie so you might as well leave and they just went, everyone on a rampage and it was just in the paper that it was all our fault. It was just like oversold and, and we had been doing it to make money and we'd oversold. It's like, why would anybody do that? And when, um, you remember who was in new Jack city, Mm-mm. uh, ice tea. Oh, was one of the actors in there. And so years later when buck was, I was playing in buck and we had put out our album and we had been nominated for these like best new band and best new album. We played uh, the Fonda Theater, and we opened the show, um, the award show. It was like the Ellie Award, Music Awards or whatever. And uh, who introduced us? Ice-T. Tell <laughs> me you said something. So Tell we're me backstage, you did. And we're backstage, the curtain's down, and Ice-T is like, how do you guys want me to introduce you? And we were just like, Buck. And I was like, and just so you know. <laughs> 
New Jack City was not oversold because I was the one selling tickets. And he was like, what? Really? What? what are you talking about? I was like, New Jack City riot. They said it was oversold. It was not because I was the one in the ticket booth. And he was like, oh, wow. Really? Are you serious? I was like, yes. I love that you and another thing. I see. I love it. I love it. Okay. Wow. Who? I love how you have all of these little like sort of don't even seem like they would be connected <laughs> stories that where you end up getting like your, you know, just revenge. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, that's insane. All right. Now I'm going to go back to, f- oh, go ahead. You, you, this. Go, you go. I just got a friend of mine from the East coast. I won't say his name. My friend Daisy called me or emailed me and said like, Hey, there's an acting coach down in this part of town that's looking for someone to start an improv program and teach. I recommended you. So I looked the guy up, and he was this jerk actor that I'd kicked out of my like back thirty years ago. That he's this character actor that he'd snuck in because he was an actor, and why should he have to pay? And he'd snuck in with his friends, and I was like, I walked up to him, and the thing I was like, he's like, at first he was like, I'm just gonna say hey to my friends, and then he disappeared. And I came in afterwards, I was like, hey dude, you didn't pay for a ticket, and he's just like, gave me the wave off, and I was like, oh, you've done it now. <laughs> And I was like, we're not starting to fucking film until you get out of here. And I made him go buy a ticket. I was like, he's such a fucking asshole. And uh, then when I saw his picture on the website, I was like, oh, that's the dude I kicked out. Awesome. Great. So glad you yeah. recommended me for the job. But we would do, um, we would do screens. We do premieres. And when you have premieres, even trailers. Oh, trailers. When a new trailer comes out. And that's the other thing with, with Westwood was when it would be uh, opening night. The stars and the director would show up there, yeah. and they're they're hanging out in the back watching the crowd to see how it is. Yeah, and we had a a trailer come out for a movie that we put in line where it's supposed to go. It was we just threw it back then. You literally it was a platter system, so the entire film is on this giant. You take all these reels out and you put you you splice them together until they become one giant huge reel, and then the trailers also get spliced into it too. So we had spliced in her trailer. But then she arrives, Miss Barbara Streisand, and she wants her trailer first. No, she wants it last right before the movie because that's a sweet spot. And we're like, well, it's not. Like, it's, it's going first because that's what we were told. She's like, no. She's like, you cannot play the movie. So you had to we, recut it? We have to, our projection has to tear the whole thing apart. Wow. This audience, we can't tell the audience that Barbara Streisand, Barbara Streisand is a bitch and is making you wait for half an hour for the movie to star. So her trailer, and I'm, the whole time I was just sitting there telling the man, I was like, no one's going to, if we start these previews, they're going to explode that they have to sit through previews. Before the movie? Before the movie, because as soon as the previews hour. come on, they're going to be mad already. It's like, you're not going to get a good read on that. It's like, he didn't want to hear it. Barbara wanted, you know, this. So it's like we had to move the trailer. Then we'd have directors come in like uh, James Cameron, who was just like whenever his movies opened, it would, everyone was just like, oh, oh fuck, he's going to show up because he nothing was good enough for him. The, but to his credit, when he left, you wanted to go see a movie in that theater because it was tuned perfectly. I bet. I mean, the lenses were perfect. The sound was perfect. Everything was perfect because he had just terrorized our projectionists. <laughs> you know, the teams, like the managers would be in there, different projectionists, and it was just nothing was ever good. But man, after True Lies would come through there, it would leave every movie after that was just like, man, this fucking looks great. <laughs> I'll bet. Wow. I mean, I guess that's like, you don't get to his level if you're not that focused on perfection. I yeah. guess. I mean, ugh. okay. 
we're running out of time again. So I'm just going to get a couple questions in and then we're going to go to dessert. Have you ever told a customer to F off or like get out of your face? Um, the closest I ever got was that, that woman that had the handicap zone and they okay. sent me back. I think that's the closest ever. And, and also like, I didn't tell them that, but we had get into some confrontations with customers, uh, with customers at six flags that were there, you know, at, in concert and stuff like that. And, uh, are they have their shirt off? So you're not supposed to walk around with the shirt off and they would be way bigger than me. <laughs> And, like, and I would always have to kind of outsmart them. So it'd be like, uh, it'd be like, sorry, dude, you got to put your shirt back on. He's like, ah, who cares? It's hot out here. I was on it. Just don't even worry about it, dude. Just, I'm not putting my fucking shirt back on. It's like, you, you have to. I'm sorry. I'm going to follow you around until you put it back. It's like, just tell me where the fucking bathroom is. I got to be like, I wish I could remember where it is. <laughs> and he'd be like, fuck, okay. I'm putting my shirt back on. <laughs> <laughs> now where is it? It's right behind you. <laughs> <laughs> All you had to do was do a crisp 180. Yeah, I don't uh, think I've ever told the customer to fuck off. Okay. Uh, are you? I've, oh, I would be, I would, I would be a fucking smart ass. I remember someone coming up to the theater showtimes and looking at them and saying like, it's like, what are these showtimes? I don't understand these showtimes. When does it start? It's like, how do p- people figure this out? I, I remember going, so far everyone's figured it out except for you. <laughs> Pepper. <laughs> oh, that's spicy. You got a little spicy. Okay. And then last question in this section. Can you describe the worst customer you have ever interacted with besides Barbara Streisand or top to bottom someone, the archetype of who would be the worst customer? It depends on what, what job I was working. So like okay. any customer at, at Jerry's Deli was terrible, uh, was, was terrible, but it's, it's, it's where you're at. It can be when I was working retail, it was, you know, you know, certain women coming in there looking for this thing, uh, whatever they're, you know, they could be trying sometimes, uh, in finance, it's, it's different. Doc, doc, and finance is doctors. Doctors have this God complex where it's just like, what? that has never been shared before. And, um, it's, they're the only people here's, I mean, here's like for customer service, here's a tip I've learned like over 40 years of customer service. My client is never above me. Mm. They're always at the same level as me. We're friends. I call them by their first name. I never call anybody Mr. or Mrs. anything. You're always Scott or Brad or Jessica, whatever. Wow. Because we're on the same level. Because when things go wrong, I want you to be able to trust me that I'm going to fix it. If, if, I'm, if I've put you up above me, then if something goes wrong, you're not going to trust me to fix it. That's right. But if something goes wrong and we're pals and we're friends, well, my friend Pepper can straighten this out. Mm. So that's always where I've always, that's just one of my general rules of over 40 years of customer service I've, I've learned. Except with doctors, you can't do that because they want that goddamn doctor in front of their name. So you got to say doctor, whoever. And sometimes I just want to go, you just guess for a living. That's all you fucking do. Is you just guess for a living. You went through school so you could fucking guess. And you're wrong most of the time. Shout out to our doctors who have been on the podcast. You, <laughs> he doesn't mean you. He means everybody else. <laughs> so that's the only, that's the, and they want everything. I mean, they're, they get angry the fastest. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Yeah. Well, like, so yeah. fast. That's fun. That's a, sounds like a good time. At least, you know, Western medicine and healthcare in this country is perfect. So they should be like that. Good for them. They've sorted it. Okay, folks, now we're going to move on to the good stuff. We hope you saved room for dessert. Okay, what is the nicest thing a customer has done for you whilst you were working? I guess just a big tip, um, probably 100 bucks or whatever. I used to have a, a, a customer come into the Hamburger Hamlet in Brentwood. They'd come up every few months for some game, maybe a UCLA game. I don't know why they came in. 
but they would kind of call ahead and say, this is what we're going to be. There's going to be this many of us and we're going to order ball is blah, blah 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 and they would order they go through like nine bottles of champagne it's like brunch and they and and they're going through nine bottles of champagne <laughs> and they leave me a, a pretty good tip and and that's about it i was like you like communication ahead of time and you like open it totally. sounds like like open channels of just uh, it, tell me what you want i'll get it for you yeah they were always up front they were all super nice that was probably i mean just a tip of probably i'll tell you the as a customer the best thing that ever happened yeah. was uh because in la uh bartenders in LA are just kind of like, you know, especially if they're women, you just have immediate crushes on them and getting a phone number from a bartender is a good thing is, is huge. Okay. So you've had it, you've had it written on the cocktail napkin and slid to you. No, it was even cooler than that. Oh, I, I was going to the Viper room multiple times. I had the crush on this bartender and we would get to talking and I think I'd ask her out or something that we could go out and no, 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 don't date. Blah, blah, blah. And I was up in the top room. She worked at the bottom bar. And I remember her coming up to our booth. And I, in the Viper room, sometimes people would just sit down in your booth because mm-hmm. there's no room. And this just jerk guy was sitting next to me. I was like, well, why is this guy sitting next to me? I was with my friends. And I had my arm up on the, the booth like this. And she slid in right next to me. And the guy was like, when are we ever going to go out? And he's like, I've asked you out so many times. And she was like, I don't date customers. And as she said that, she reached behind to pull her hair back and slipped her phone number into my hand. I'll die. As she was telling the guy that she doesn't date customers. And I was just like, that's the fucking coolest thing that's ever happened to me in my life. Did you ever take her out? Um, that's another thing. Badly. She, so here's the thing about dating bartenders. Uh, you cannot out drink them. It's even, I hadn't been bartending. I mean, I had an iron gut when I was bartending, but I was no longer a bartender. And the other thing is, they call you. They tell you when it's time. And so you're just kind of on call. And when I got the call, I was in no shape for it. I was wasted. And it was like I'd been to I don't know how many bars. And I think I was at Starshoes on, uh, on Hollywood. It was, a, it was a bar, on a big bar at the time. Don't and I'm hanging out there. And you get the text at 1.45 a.m. And it just says, where are you? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, shit, I'm on deck. <laughs> You're like, I got a WID and I don't know how to answer this because I'm wasted. And she came to me and it was it was terrible. I failed completely on all levels Aww. because I was just too, too drunk. drunk. And Aww. she and she was like, well, that was your shot. That was your chance. That was your chance. And you blew it. And I was like, I blew that. I was like, because I remember telling my friends, like, she's, she's coming this way. So give me water. Somebody get me water. <laughs> Somebody sober me up right now. <laughs> and they're like, we it can't, man. Not, it did not work. It was okay. just bad time. But, but but that's the lesson in, in if dating a bartender. Okay. Or you get a bartender's number. You're on call. Yeah. You don't know when it's going to be. You're just going to get that call. When the light shines on when you, you shines better on, be ready. You be ready. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. Can you describe either your favorite customer interaction or... Or who would be like the best type of customer to come in? Well, like I said, I go out to eat uh, practically uh, nearly every night. I go out to some restaurant and go eat. And I love going out to nice restaurants. And here's the thing. When I go out to a restaurant, service never comes into play. I'm never going to a restaurant because I think it's going to have awesome service. I'm going there for the food. And that's mm. it. Or that has some cool chef that makes good food. I could care less about the service because... For one thing, I've done it so long, and I can tell when you've done it, when you've served so long, you can see, you can see out of the corner of your eye what's going on. That was percent. 
And I can, if my friends are getting like all antsy and stuff like that, and I, I can just be like, they just got triple sat. You didn't see that? <laughs> but of course they didn't. They weren't paying attention. And, and it just, it, it, yeah, it's just when I go out, I'm, I'm just, I'm looking to have a good time. Mm. So and I'm expecting to have a good time. It's like, it's very hard to, to give me bad service. Cause I'm, I'm there for, it's kind of the same thing with LA. Like I'm here for LA. The film thing may not be working the way I want it to, but I'm, you know, that's not why I came. That's the right idea. That's the right attitude in general. So the best customer interaction is essentially just managing your expectations to yeah, the situation at hand. Exactly. I totally agree. What is the best tip you have ever gotten? Can you think of one offhand? You had said like a hundo, but that's kind of. Well, that's a hundred. I mean, in finance, it's totally different because you'll get spot bonuses. So. You do? Uh, oh, yeah. That's nice. Not as much anymore because of, of, of rules of, but I literally have in finance people love to give alcohol as Christmas gifts birthday gifts any anniversary it's just my fridge looks like an MTV Cribs episode Cause, <laughs> and I don't drink at home I just yeah one of those people drink at home the bottom of my fridge is nothing but champagne holy shit and I have like a 2003 Dom in, in there sell that, I that shit I've never opened because I'm saving it for when I sell my first feature oh Oh, don't sell it. Keep it. You'll so sell it. That's saying, amazing. It's probably going to go bad by then. <laughs> I don't put it in your fridge the whole time. Champagne can stay good if it's cold. Can't yeah, it? it's been in my fridge for uh, a decade. 2007 since 2007. Okay, well, a couple, a little bit longer than a decade. You're uh, right. Yeah, and um, and then in my freezer is a human vodka. Head. I have those giant things that are taking up. I was like, I need to go to a party so I can take this and Just leave bring it there. This. Yeah, and and finally I had to tell like one of my bosses like stop. Please. giving me alcohol <laughs> please i don't want it as I, I was like i have no more room and but they'll also i had a, i had one i work i work with financial advisors i'm kind of like there i do their trades i do their paperwork i handle the clients for them stuff like that and one of my he didn't the thing with finance is what we, the whole industry gets in trouble with with congress is that your salary is part you. salary part bonus. bonus and so you get that kind of supplement from the evan and what sucks is they put the salary cap in the wrong place so i'm treated like some ceo that uh, makes 10 million a year so when you bonus me 50 percent of it's gone gone because you're taxed like a gift oh. and that means like if i get like a 25 dollar bonus for you're you know see 10 of that doing some i'll see you know yeah 12 50 of that uh. and so a lot of fas will um give uh bonuses in cash oh cool. um, it can't be not traced. as much anymore but it used to like especially at the end of the year like i had you know i would be handed just envelopes of thousands of dollars so you're like, you're not convincing me not to go into finance i yeah. feel like we should have a conversation <laughs> off the mic sir uh okay well that would be amazing what's the best lesson you've personally learned from working in customer service um one is just knowing people mm. um you you honestly can um the psychology behind it is amazing. I've I have literally uh, dumped an entire soup in someone's lap, and I still got twenty percent because I knew enough to come back to the table and touch that person. Especially when you touch yep. someone, yep. it's they can't not tip you. That's right. And so I just put my hand on the shoulder at the thing, and I think I made some dumb joke about you know next time you can dump soup on me or whatever, and it made the whole table laugh. Didn't matter that I'd ruined his pants that we were having to pay for dry cleaning. I got a tip anyway. Wow. Um, but the biggest lesson I learned <clears throat> was working at Man Theaters when I knew I was going to leave Man Theaters 
and it was my last day all my anger had built up over four years of working for theaters and I was like this is going to be a fun day because I'm going to tell every fucking person off <laughs> it was like I'm did you gonna, I'm going to go bonkers that's like and I was telling everybody I was like this is, this is it we'll get ready <laughs> get ready <laughs> And not a single person of course not. did anything. Of course the entire four years out there, people were sneaking in, <laughs> doing shit, putting their hair in their own popcorn. I'd see them. I'd see them put their hair in the popcorn. And they'd come out and say, there's a hair in my popcorn. And they'd shout, like, pepper this person wants a refund. And I'd shout down for the back. I saw you put your hair in the popcorn. Get out. And, and I was, I was like, what is happening? Why is there? So I, I just switched and I was like, okay, I'm not going to get what I want. So I'm just going to be nice. Mm. I'm going to be extra nice. And I had the best night. I'll bet you did. I was working a double shift. And so at the night shift, I just started being nice to everyone. I did extra things for them. I uh, gave them, because uh, I started thinking, I was like, this isn't my candy. Yeah. <laughs> so so I was like, here's this. I would let people for free. Uh, people came up after we'd already closed the concession stand and they were like, oh, it's already closed. I was like, let me what open it back want? up for you. And I had the best time and I felt great. My energy had completely changed and it feels so much when you're, when you're getting aggravated in customer service and you're kind of filled with this hate thing, it's all this outward energy mm -hmm. that you're projecting on That's people right. and, and this vitriol that comes out of you. It's energy that's coming out of you. When you turn that back into kindness, it's all coming back inside. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's it all point. feels like it's all coming to you because you're getting that 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 feeling that you're giving that person that's coming right back at you that they appreciate you. Yeah. So it's it kind of fills you up, and and so it, it kind of keeps me very even keeled when I'm dealing with people. Wow. And I've also learned to kind of when things the other lesson is when things go wrong, always negotiate from their side. So it's like it's not your fault. It's like oh, I can't believe that happened. We got to fix that. And like you're you start using we. And they, it's like, it's like, oh, I can't believe that happened to you. We, we have to, I don't know. We have to get that done. It's like they suddenly, it's not your fault. You're on their side trying to fix it. So I, you negotiate, you always negotiate from the client's side. I have interviewed 6 billion people and no one has ever said that. And I yeah. really like that. That's, a little tricky. That's little really tricky. helpful. Um, and then what's one piece of advice you would give to customers who interact with customer service workers? Like I said, go there for the experience. You're not going there for the service. Uh, manage your expectations, like you said. And uh, you say it on the podcast all the time. I listen to so many episodes. Just be nice <laughs> to people. That's it. Full stop. And it comes right back. So easy. It's so easy. You get, you get what you want um, faster when you're nice. Flies with them. And, and sometimes being nice means not saying a fucking word. Ooh, that's really powerful. Yeah. When okay. things go wrong at... Because uh, I... There's a different there's different food serve levels of food food service. There can be a really five star restaurant, and that I may say like, "Hey, I have a problem with a dish. If I have a problem with my food at Del Taco, I'm not gonna say a fucking word. Not a, nary <laughs> a word. It's fast food. What are you doing? Yeah, because I know what they're they're making, and yes. and some shit's gonna happen to my food if I that, open my mouth. That first of all. <laughs> so, so if I get like I'd like a bean and cheese burrito and they hand me like milkshake, I'll be like, oh, thank well, you, thank you very much. <laughs> I just drive, just drive off, just, just leave. drive off, just, just leave. leave. <laughs> yeah. So do not say, do not open your mouth. Okay. And then since okay, we have so little time left, but because I you've had so much experience, do you actually like humans and interacting with humans? Yeah. You do. How have you not become embittered with all that you've had to deal with? Um. Because I, 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 I'm really good at letting it slide off. Come on. 
come home, home and leave it at work. Come home. That's and that's right. what's great about uh, service jobs. A lot of times yes. it's like you leave it there yeah. and you're, you know. Yeah, I hate the anxiety of like just random emails coming into my inbox. Finances like, like that. Oh, like I, I sometimes I miss waiting tables just for that. Because you're not on call 24-7. Yeah. You're like, Ugh. Well, I'm not on call 24-7 period because i refuse to be good but, but it's a boundary I'm like, I'm like at 2 30 i'm like do not call me and good um, but still you have that the workload that you know yeah is it's for coming the week. That's there's right. no workload at waiting tables that's it's not like, it's, it's like coming clean slate yep yeah there is a there is a freedom in that that i definitely forget and i think i didn't have enough gratitude for when i was in it that it is yeah. work stays at work um well pepper Delightful. You gave us so many weeks of your time. And always tip 20%. Oh, thank you. That's right. Always tip 20. Do you ever tip more than 20? I, I generally tip more than 20. Yeah, um, so I usually tip anywhere between like 22 and 25. That's really generous. And, and 20 is like the bottom. You have to and stab me in the heart with yeah. a spoon for me to, give to you not, not give even you 20. 20 yeah. And and I actually did not tip somebody just the other day, which was what? shocking to me. Like I will tip if I go to Jenny's ice cream shop and they scoop my ice cream, 20%. Hey. Wow. Uh, Sharkies, 20%. But I was at the airport. And you know, during the pandemic, everything went cashless in, in, yeah. in stores with that used to not have these. They have the screens. They flip over and like, please answer these questions. This really just tips. Yep. I went into this candy store where you scoop your own candy. So I scooped my own candy, did all that, walked over to the thing and hand her the bag. She didn't take the bag. She just pointed at the weight scale. And I was like, okay. I put the weight down and she's like, that's $9 answer these questions and it's like do you want a tip i was like i did every, you did nothing absolutely not i wouldn't have left nary a dime i, I was like no no tip. I was no like, tip I was like, what i'm I, I will almost never side with no tip i would 100 percent. i am in agreement with you that was the like, most she did was point at a scale and flip an, a, an ipad no, like, no ma'am a tip just for <laughs> no ma'am shits and giggles no uh it's like a dry cleaner putting out a tip it's like all right uh, yeah. whatever i can't i'm too mad now i'm getting mad exactly. pepper how can people get in touch with you? How all the people that want to find you on Instagram, it's pepperberry one. And on Twitter, it's I am pepperberry. Can you clarify how you spell? I should have asked you this in previous oh, episodes. Berry's B-E-R-R-Y. Thank you. Well, folks, we're going to drop your text now after three solid weeks. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to help us out here at service from hell, we'd love to have you subscribe rate and or review the show wherever you listen. It will help us reach more people that need to be schooled in the art of being kind. We'll be, and we'll be catharsis for those of us still working in the industry. If you want to get in touch with us here at Service from Hell directly, send us your receipts to servicefromhellpodcast at gmail.com. We always love hearing from you. Remember, if you can't afford to tip, you can't afford to go out. So don't be garbage and be good to people. Yeah. It's easier that way. Pepper, you're a delight. Thank you so much for being here. This Three weeks delightful. in a row. You, you gave us so much of your time. You totally understood the assignment. You came prepared. All future <laughs> guests hopefully listen to this episode. I'm so grateful that you were willing to be on. Uh, folks, find Pepper on all the things and then slide into his DMs when he sells his screenplay. And then he can finally drink that 2003 bottle of Dom. Good night, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. We're out. Okay, that's going to wrap up our series with the lovely Pepper Berry. We are so grateful to have had him on for as many weeks as we did. And a whole bunch of comics had specials coming out and their publicists were in my, you know, email being like, hey, they got to get on now. So Pepper just kept getting pushed and he's patient. And thanks, Pepper, for being so patient and for being so lovely and for giving us all of this time. We have to have you back on. Find him on all the things. Hire him to do all the things. And check out which stage he'll be on next. Thank you folks so much for 
for listening to this series. Good night. Good night.